I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In November 2019, Dr. Susanna Etty attended the Climate Change Conference COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. Dr. Etty was representing Intrepid Travel as their first ever full-time climate scientist and was there to discuss research by the Travel Foundation, which has revealed that there is only one pathway for our industry to reach net zero carbon by 2050. The fact that COP27 was taking place also significantly means that it's already a year since COP26 and the Glasgow Declaration. I caught up with Dr Etty to see if enough work has been done since and to ask if the industry is keeping its promise to the environment. Welcome to the latest episode of The Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with travel pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in our industry. Dr. Susanna Etty joined Intrepid Travel in 2019 as their first ever full-time climate scientist. Dr. Etty has dedicated more than 15 years to fighting climate change, and her work centres around transitioning Intrepid into a low-carbon economy, as well as ensuring climate justice through social equality and diversity. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Dr. Etty. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope you're doing well today. Yeah. I'm very well and good morning and thank you for having me, Simon. Thank you. Pleasure is all mine. We appreciate that it's it's <laughs> late on a Friday night where you are in Australia. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me about all of this. Dr. Etty, Susanna, let's start at the start. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself, including where you came from and, and how you got into travel, because I realise you kind of took a slightly uh, a slightly torturous route into the travel industry. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to describe it, yeah. <laughs> so um, you might have already picked up from my accent that I'm actually German, and I just, just actually returned um, from Germany after spending the holiday season there with my Wonderful. family. And so, yeah, so how I got all started is that, um, I guess, going back to the fact that I got really interested in the natural world from a really young age. Um, 
So when I grow old, I really got to know more about the human impact on the environment. And growing up in Germany, so my family were all really passionate hikers and skiers. And as such, I became actually already really aware of the melting of glaciers across Europe. And that really kind of was my interest in the environment um, kind of led to um, the decision to study biology, because um, I really wanted to understand how the ecosystem, how science works, how things in general work. And it really kind of opened up that door for me um, to create change. And I continued on um, on a PhD, but then actually decided to move away from academia and to move into industry because I really felt that's where I could really have the biggest impact and accelerate solutions and really help companies to improve on their maturity curve. Yeah, and then it was, as you said, um, back in 2019, after quite a few years um, in industry working um, in consultancy um, with um, um, global um, companies, global mm -hmm. international companies, that I joined Intrepid um, back in 2019 because I was really impressed by them being carbon neutral since 2010 and being one of the world largest travel B Corps. And yeah, and so since then I've been very fortunate to lead our climate action work. Fantastic. So is Intrepid Travel, is that really your first job bringing sustainability and travel into your career? Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I have to say um, throughout my career and through my studies, I already had lived um, and worked in six countries. Wow. So um, kind of studying um, biology, it really has been my ticket to the world by doing field work um, in different places like Ecuador and Greece. So, and I think through that, I really also kind of learned and believe that by empowering local people through those sustainable travel experiences, we can really make travel better for everyone and simultaneously also take care of our planet. A hundred percent. Fantastic. Well, I mean, you said you've lived in six different countries and we are fundamentally a travel magazine. So maybe you could just share some very, very quick experiences uh, of, of the time in the, some of the wonderful countries that you've lived in across the world. You mentioned Ecuador yeah, yeah. and Greece and where else have yeah. you been? Yeah, so um, this so I lived um, for quite a few years and um, ten years over ten years in the UK. Um, yeah, so yeah. that was really for my studies and also my first um, paid job was in the UK. That's and so from there I moved on um, to Australia, which was kind of yeah, kind of very different experience. Um, a longer <laughs> well, way to I get imagine. home. So now I have a long haul flight um, to see family. I've also lived um, four years in Thailand, where I helped international companies. Um, with their reporting efforts and that was definitely like living in Bangkok like a huge city compared even to Melbourne sure. um, I think I really realized there how much I really like the connection to nature and being out on the weekends to do bushwalking which also led to um, the reason why I returned to Australia yeah and my time in Greece was really kind of about doing my master and PhD and collecting um, and doing a lot of field work. So collecting mosquitoes and ticks that were part of my science degrees at the time. But again, it was in a region that is at the time was um, not um, kind of a tourism center on the border to Turkey. So in the province of Evra. So just having that opportunity to live a bit like a local for the time I was there was quite a treasured memory that I still to date really treasure. Wonderful.
We know that you yeah. attended COP27 in Egypt uh, on, yeah. on behalf of Intrepid Travel. Could you tell us a little bit yeah. about your experiences in Egypt? Yeah, I was there in November last year now. Sure. Um, and that's um, kind of um, many of you probably or you recall that COP26 was actually in the UK in Glasgow. Mm -hmm. So this was really kind of the year on, especially really important for the tourism sector, because at COP26, actually the Glasgow Declaration for Climate Action in Tourism was launched. And it's really significant because for the first time, the industry came actually together to recognize that we are in a climate emergency and in a crisis and that the sector has to come together to really to commit to half emissions by 2030 and to work towards net zero emissions by 2050 and earlier. So this was now this one year on. Um, for us to come together. And so, yeah, I had the opportunity to represent um, Intrepid at COP27. So I participated in a UN World Tourism Organization side event with other signatories, um, including from Accommodation, Iberostar, but also destinations like um, Gran Canaria to really talk about kind of what it, does it mean one year on. And the important thing is that um, at the moment, we have over 750 organizations that now have signed up to the Glasgow declarations. And that means that these signatories are committing to halving emissions by 2030 and also to reach net zero. So we have kind of really seen that commitment now, um, but there are still some key subsectors and players that haven't signed up. And so there's still and especially around really kind of um, refocusing on reducing emissions and setting like an emission reduction target, which I really explain in a way. It's like a North Star that you put there. Like when you're saving and setting up a budget, you want to know what are you saving for. And this is really where like emission reduction targets are that provide you with that North Star. And we really need to see more um, kind of companies within our sectors to really make that um, commitment and increase our ambitions um, so that we're really able to have our emissions. Fantastic. You said that it almost we can almost think about it as like a carbon budget. Is that right? We hear the word carbon footprint a hell of a lot. Yeah. But carbon budget kind of implies a slightly more forward thinking approach. Does that yeah. sound fair? I guess with the budget, I mean, so this, the first comparison is really with um, kind of to make it kind of maybe more um, more hands-on for people to understand. Sure. It's like when we're saving for a house or whatever it is, what your Absolutely. saving goal is, that you kind of set yourself a budget, how much you can spend each month and to order to reach your target. Because by having this target or that goal, um, it's so much easier to put money aside. And so in a way, if you transfer this to ours, to decarbonization, we have been one of the first, we have been the first um, to operate with a science-based target. And that means we have now that North Star that tells us how much um, and how quickly we have to decarbonize our business. So yeah, in a way we still, we know how much we have available and that we need to now radically reduce and ensure that we're really reducing our emissions um, as Fantastic. soon as possible. I mean, budgeting is, is quite a difficult concept for a lot of people anyway, right? Lord knows we've all kind yeah. of gone over budget every so often or, or delved into yeah. using a credit card or gone into our overdraft. Yep. Budgeting is, is difficult on a, on a financial sense. Definitely. So I imagine it's also very, very difficult in an environmental sense. Yeah. Do you think companies Absolutely. are kind of uh, are staying within budget, should we say? Are they keeping their promises yeah. that they made? I think, well, we're definitely not 
seeing as many companies mm -hmm. committing for sure. two science-based targets. Um, it's definitely over the last two years since we have um, got our target approved, more companies are committing to net zero, which is fantastic. And that's what we really need to see. But as I mentioned, like with only with 750 signatures, it's great progress, but we need more commitment. We need more commitment in our sector to decarbonize because um, as you said, sometimes when you save money, you go over over your budget, you yeah. use your credit card. We can't do this with nature. Um, there's, um, it's, we are experiences right now, even with the heat dome that has gone across Europe in the last couple of weeks, seeing kind of the snow-free winter resorts in the Alps um, where like a lot of world cup yeah, for skiing have been canceled. It is really, we're living it right now. So it is about that kind of real, real commitment and to act today. It's not to postpone it into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so at COP27, there was some research uh, by the Travel Foundation that was uh, that revealed, and I think we're kind of speaking about it already, but I think yeah. this is a really important uh, kind of phrasing around it. This research revealed that there is only one pathway for the travel industry to reach net zero by 2050, mm. as we've already mentioned. What is this yeah. one pathway? Is this connected to carbon offsetting or is it something com completely different? Yeah, no, it's a really good kind. It's a really important piece of research. The full report is coming out, um, I understand, later this month or early February. Right. But with this envisioning tourism in 2030, that has been really, it's a research piece that has, is, has been developed to really help policymakers, but also the broader tourism industry to really understand what the global, but also thriving, which is really important and equitable decarbonization tourism industry will actually look like um, by the end of this decade, when it's all about halving emission, but then all the way through um, to 2050. Because let's be honest, and I think that's what people also understand, tourism emissions account for about 8 to 11% of global CO2 um, or carbon dioxide emissions. So we're actually having quite a big impact as wow. an industry. We spoke already, like we are right in the climate emergency, those destinations that we love and the, the people that we are visiting, they're directly impacting by these um, um, weather extremes. So the research is actually really looking at different labors. It does look at carbon offsetting. It, the research looks at sustainable aviation fuel, but also at aviation. Um, so, and it is really important that all these like carbon offset or sustainable aviation in itself has an importance and produces some um, reduction. The important part is really that even if we have fuel um, energy efficiency, improved infrastructure, think high-speed rail, it does reduce emission, but even maximizing doesn't really sufficiently get us to that net zero in 2050. So it's really important actually what the research shows that it's about capping the growth of long-haul aviation at a 2019 level, which doesn't mean that this is about no flights anymore because that wouldn't be equitable. Think about sure. um, the Pacific islands that are solidly, like even Australia, we're solidly arriving on long-haul flights to get tourism here, but also for us to go anywhere to visit. So it is more about kind of really kind of ensuring we are also looking at the domestic travel and really building is where it's possible in countries like Australia has really focused and we in Intrepid too, to focus on domestic travel 
to provide travelers the op option so that they can travel domestically. But when we travel internationally, we really make this flight count and it's about staying longer, but also ensuring overall that the industry is really kind of prioritizing signing up to the Glasgow Declaration. It's kind of um, looking at innovation and really ensuring we are looking at all the levers and we're not postponing it. We're starting right away now and recognizing that carbon neutrality on its own is by is not enough. We we do really need drastically to decarbonize um, the industry. You touched there on, on domestic travel. Are we essentially talking yeah. about trains? Are we talking about rail and road or something different? Yeah, yeah no, that's a good one. I think it's a combination of both. So mm -hmm, domestic, sure. if we think of the UK um, where you're based, it's really kind of like exploring basically Europe. And then they actually the train comes in and because within Europe, we have an amazing good high-speed railway Absolutely. network. Um, so it is about kind of deciding, okay, maybe this year I'm actually spending the summer within Europe. I'm not taking a long haul flight. But then in the second step, also think about how do I get to the start of my trip? And so in Europe, there are these the high-speed railway network. So you can actually travel to the south of Spain, for example, and really kind of use the train system to get there and maybe really think about making that journey as part of your overall holiday. So um, you're actually through the slow travel on the train, you get to know actually the countries on the way to the south of Spain, as an example. So it's a combination of both. It's, getting to know your own um, back garden, I think you say, sure. but then also thinking about, especially in Europe, um, to think about really how you get to the start. And that's where I really encourage to, if you haven't done it yet, to explore more train travel, because every time I'm in Europe, I'm absolutely loving it. I might get off the international flight to be able to just hop on a train that travels at 250K an hour and just, yeah, having the freedom of being on a train. And knowing it emits a lot less emissions. I totally agree, Susanna. I uh, same. I uh, I attended a conference in in rural Austria about eighteen months really? ago, and I took the train. Oh. I made a point of yeah. taking the train. It is, as you say, it is wonderful. It is uh, so much less stressful than flying. Yeah. For for some reason, I think with one, once you're on an aeroplane, I guess there's you know you're on the aeroplane and it goes. But getting to yeah. the airport, checking in. You know, things yep. like, it wasn't that long ago that there was like three hour delays was a common thing while we got, you know, post pandemic, all the rest of it. But with the train, you know, like I say, you get on, you're a new Eurostar, you have your nice sandwich, and you know that you're here until uh, Paris, if not further. And it is a yep. wonderful way to travel. Uh, and something that I was, I was speaking with friends recently, you know, the whole work from home um, phenomenon that's taken over the planet mm -hmm. since, since lockdown, essentially. I mean, Hopefully there can be a way where working from the train becomes a thing, you know, rather than mm. rather than going into the office, you take a, a day to travel because you do need a bit more time. Let's be frank. Trains are a lot yep. slower. So mm -hmm. why not, you know, set yourself up with a with your laptop and a nice cup of coffee on the train and take an extra day, but take it traveling. So the, you know, the French countryside wishes past rather than sitting in your in your lounge or your office, wherever yep. you work. And really make a point of enjoying that journey um, on the train, maybe while you're working, if you don't want to take an extra day off. But I guess mm. one thing that we do have to touch on at this point, Susanna, is that train is expensive, right? It, I looked yeah. at going to Lisbon recently. 
And it's about £600 on the train. Basically, you need an interrail pass. Otherwise, you're going to be on a train for 36 hours. Mm. Trains are expensive. Presumably, we have to engage stakeholders. We have to engage the train companies to make this a much more relevant option. Does that sound fair? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And spot on. I think what is really positive to hear, unless I mix up my countries now, it's France that has now removed, I think, a up to three um, um, flights, like short haul flights, where they have better train, where they have train options available that take similar time. But we need to see that change, that it is actually the train is the cheaper one, because I totally agree. Like if you're on a budget normally, if you pay that amount of money, you will eventually divert back to the flight because it is significantly cheaper. But we need, and absolutely agree with you, that kind of, climate action at our level like what are the kind of regulation incentives from a government level to really promote train travel especially in Europe and destinations where it's possible to say okay that's we actually have a good connection here this is the way forward and then other places where there is no alternative yes we need to continue with um, aviation but then it's about looking at the airports ensuring connectivity is better 100%. is it around sustainable aviation fuel so and that's again comes to that that we need to leverage all the different levers um, but also ensure it's equitable so everyone can afford and I guess on the train just um, to mention like Europe or Germany did last year like it's about I don't know what's in in pounds but it was a nine nine euro um, ticket which really enabled for whole months everyone to use the um, the trains. It's not the bullet trains, but it really removed a lot of cars also from the roads because people realized actually this is cheaper than um, kind of commuting by car. So I guess this is all what we need to see um, in all the countries and learning from each other too. It's like if one if it works in one country, and like for us too, it's like how do we share our learnings. Um, but also learn from others best practices so we can move together and and see it as a competitive advantage. Fantastic. So this seems like one of the the key elements of the only one pathway that we've been, uh, the the only one pathway approach that we've been talking about. It's no longer about offsetting, it's about decarbonisation. Does that sound fair? Absolutely. Yeah, it's carbon neutrality. Definitely um, 12 years ago, um, very few companies were out there that were carbon Mm -hmm. neutral. Um, but even for ourselves, we have recognized with the climate emergency um, back in 2020, we declared actually a climate emergency with tourism declares, yep. um, which was at the time a collective of organizations that declared a climate emergency, then later developed into the Glasgow Declaration together with UNWTO and the Travel Foundation. But the point is really that even within Intrepid, we recognized that carbon neutrality wasn't enough anymore Mm -hmm. because we needed that clear North Star to like, what is our target to half our emission? That's why we committed to a science-based target to really kind of put the science behind and get it verified by a third party to say, okay, that's your North Star now, you know how quickly and how how much you need to decarbonize. Yep, here carbon neutrality alone is not enough. It's about reduction. Excellent. Uh, I guess you kind of you mentioned there kind of science 
backed technology, science backed techniques. Does this kind of hark to the, the 1.5 degrees concept? And perhaps yeah. if it does, you could elaborate mm -hmm. a little bit more on that. Yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. So um, the science based target um, is really based or is on a 1.5 degree future. So we are basically decarbonizing with the aim to kind of to keep not to say we want to reach 1.5 but it's basically that's the absolute maximum and um, because we all know already the impacts of the current warming that we're seeing um so anything higher is actually more detrimental mm -hmm. to destination and people yeah and the 1.5 is really that kind of crucial number that i think everyone will hear a lot more of it goes back to the paris agreement and um, that was agreed back at the COP in Paris in 2015, um, where basically all nations globally um, committed to that we need to limit warming to well below and aiming for 1.5 degree. And that's really where the science-based target, it's a whole initiative where um, four bo um, bodies are behind, which is WWF, the UN Global Compact, the CDP, which is the Carbon Disclosure um, program and the World Resource Institute. So they came together to really support businesses to, um, to develop a pathway for decarbonization, to put it maybe in simple words without getting too techy. <laughs> and we will absolutely delve into this pathway of, of how people can get involved, how people can make actionable yeah. differences after these messages. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome back. I'm speaking with Dr. Susanna Etty from Intrepid Travel. Uh, Susanna, one of the things we touched on just before the break was how, how people can get involved and be active and engaged in, well, the 1.5 degrees concept and, you know, engaging in this only one pathway for the travel industry to reach net zero by 2050. I think a huge, huge part of that to begin with, of course, is spotting greenwashing. It feels like a lot mm -hmm. of people are mentioning, we're doing this and we're doing that and it's wonderful. And it's not necessarily engaging the right communities. It's not necessarily engaging uh, the, the right parties to, to help environmental sustainability, but everybody's talking about it. So let's let's kind of combat that first. Greenwashing does seem to be everywhere. Do you have any mm. tips or any techniques for how we can spot and combat greenwashing before we can start mm. to have a real conversation about sustainability? Yeah. Uh, I'm really happy you're raising that one because it, it, you're absolutely Thank right. You. There's a yeah. lot going on. Um, <laughs> so I think one is, I do understand some people might on the call go like, yeah, but you're the scientist that's you're working in that space, but sure. I do encourage everyone is to really look behind the claims to mm, actually mm. dig a bit and kind of looking when companies claim 
hey, we're carbon neutral. Like, what are they actually carbon neutral? Do they have a certification? Like in our case, Intrepid is carbon neutral for our offices. So we're measuring our emissions from all our offices, but then also from our products. So from each trip, we know exactly how much emissions are happening in the transportation, the accommodation for our meal. So it's kind of going behind the claim and going like, okay, is there a third party certification? What are they actually claiming to do? Is there data that can pick, get picked up? Like to really kind of be a bit curious um, and question, maybe also ask those questions um, to kind mm -hmm. of like, how is it about? I think that's a really important part. The more we engage in these conversations and questioning data, and claims, the more also we, we are asking the industry, and that's not just for travel, it's just in general, to be more transparent, to disclose their impact on the environment, but also on social and governance. That's really what we need to see more and more. 100%. Are there any kind of parties or companies or organisations that you would recommend have a really great party line on this that are really kind of to be believed? Yeah, so one is really um, maybe coming back to B Corp, like sure. Intrepid has been a B Corp since 2018, but maybe if you, like other B Corps that are maybe more also known are um, around Patagonia um, or Ben & Jerry, if of you course. like ice cream, so they <laughs> are doesn't? also <laughs> B Corps, so and I just to kind of show you like they are um, around, they just hit the 5,000 mark now of wow. B Corps globally here in Australia, we're um, around the 500 mark. So, and B Corp is really kind of balancing profit and balance, but it's not an easy walk to do. Um, the assessment has about 200 questions across wow. five different impact areas. I obviously look after environment where you do have to disclose your um, carbon footprint if you're using renewable energy. Do you do carbon offsetting? How much the percentage is? What is your waste management? But it also looks at your supply chain, your workers, um, your customers. Um, so it's kind of, and it definitely depends on the industry. So um, agricultural sector like NJ would be a very different question to a tour operator like us. But while highlighting this, it's just like BCOP. Um, is a certification accreditation that really kind of asks around 200 questions. You have to have a minimum score, and but also the system is progressing. So they are currently actually reviewing the standard to further enhance it to provide minimum standards, especially around climate change. To really say every country company has to do that minimum in order to actually get accredited. Fantastic. Folks, if you're interested in learning more about B Corp, you can go to bcorporation.net. That's the website that teaches you a little bit more about B Corp accreditation, how to get a B Corp accreditation if you are a company a manager or owner and would like to, to kind of verify that you're doing good by, by the environment and by local communities. Uh, or if you just like to have a read up about it and see what they're trying to achieve, as as Dr. Etty's just said there, um, Intrepid Travel has been a B Corp for for many many years now. How how many years was it, Since, Susanna? Um, twenty eighteen. We just Fantastic. yeah, we got recertified in twenty one. You have to be recertified every three years, so it's not like a certification that you get once and after that no one cares. You actually have to go back. <laughs> every three years so we will be getting ready soon for the next one fantastic and i think something that's really really important in the b corp uh, kind of approach to doing things is that it's not just about environmental sustainability right it's not just about no natural resources specifically there's a whole well as you just said that as you just said there dr susanna the 200 odd 
uh, factors, questions that are taken into yeah. account when you are making your application for the B Corp. And these include things like sustainable ways of working with local communities, creating a kind of practical path forward where everybody is included, everybody feels engaged, and you're not just kind of sustainable on one aspect, i.e. just yeah. the environment. You're sustainable throughout, including uh, things like empowering local communities, things like social uh, justice. Uh, and this kind of brings us quite nicely to, to the next kind of talking point, which was an article you wrote about why we need women to tackle the climate crisis. This connects to something we've, we've mentioned before. Uh, climate justice is not possible without social justice we need to involve yeah. everybody particularly marginalized or groups that that haven't maybe had uh, enough say over the last few centuries or millennia perhaps you could share a little bit about this article uh, there was a report yeah. around uh, around this by project drawdown and maybe some of your yeah. own thoughts on this subject yeah no definitely i'm very happy so i guess there's two things sort of like um that the climate crisis but also the biodiversity loss which are very interlinked and sure. that kind of um interlinked that um, it is also a human rights issue, like just thinking around the right of access to land or access to water, food or health. But it's also really kind of a real um, concern for women and um, kind of, and it's really important in that context that women and girls, and particularly when you think of small island developing states, that they are actually bearing the brunt of these climate related droughts landslides whether it's also floods or hurricanes or cyclones so the climate crisis is not just a human rights crisis but it's actually a women rights crisis but at the same time it's Definitely. really important that women are leading the fight against climate change because the report that you mentioned um, is project drawdown um, so they have a um, section they're looking at 100 solutions but one section looks especially at a at empowering women and girls in developing countries and it actually ranked second among 76 solutions for curbing global um, warming so it is actually really important that's why i'm such an advocate for the um, empowerment of women that by investing in women and girls we actually create that ripple effect that yields these multiple benefits for women but then also for their families their communities and countries and to explain further it's like to give you an example women are often responsible for gathering and producing food mm -hmm. or collecting water it's about sourcing the fuel for heating or cooking so obviously with climate change um, warming water temperature we're seeing more fires we're seeing more droughts for example so these tasks are becoming actually more difficult so collecting water they need to to go longer distances, they might have to do it during the night, which has inherent risks um, because it's too hot during the day. So it is really important um, to kind of empower women because also they have, they're looking often after families, they have um, sometimes or in often case indigenous or inherent knowledge um, that is actually helping. Um, with solutions on the ground. So the more we support, educate and empower women in this unfolding climate crisis and get them, we can actually get them also to participate in climate action and really be part of the decision-making processes to really ensure we implement those low carbon and climate resilient development path. We bring them in as decision makers, like as Definitely. entrepreneurs, like designers, innovators, 
and kind of really empower them across the supply chain um, that really kind of removes those barriers and um, giving that that opportunity to be part of the solution. Empowerment is exactly the right word, Susanna. I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to sustainability, even in travel, the travel industry, I think on the whole, we're getting more and more aware of, of the climate crisis, mm. thanks to things like COP and, the, and Glasgow. Um, but there's still a lot of people kind of, like, I know it's there, it's kind of out in the ether, yeah. there's this huge problem, I'm well aware of it, we're all part of this problem, and we're all going to be part of, of the consequences of this problem when it happens, Lord knows, you know, there's only, what do they say, there's mm. only... There's only one planet. There's no planet B. And no, of course, that is no planet B. So, so we are all going to be, you know, uh, victims of the consequences. But there's also a lot being said to just kind of thrown in our faces, a lot of messaging going around. And people aren't really, as you say, they're not really becoming a stakeholder in this problem, in the mm. approach to try and address this problem. And I guess this is exactly the point you're making, right? We need, we need everybody throughout the supply chain or throughout the industry everybody needs to feel engaged everybody needs to feel empowered to to make informed decisions and i guess this is yeah. exactly the work that you're talking about yeah no absolutely and i think from a, for us an intrepid it's really important as part of our like when we declared a climate emergency we sure. have a seven point commitment plan and in there is a point on women empowerment because we can do a lot also through the projects we are supporting that our customers can experience on their trip it seems like Intrepid Travel is getting really involved with numerous initiatives, numerous programs around the world. Perhaps you could give us some examples of things, uh, you know, examples of the great work that the company's been doing. Yeah, no, happy to do so. So I guess one project that comes to my mind, especially as we just talked about women empowerment, is a project that is located on the outskirts of CMRAP. And so we're working there with a non-for-profit organization called Rocco, which is really changing the life of Cambodian women, but at the same time also helping the environment at the same time. And it's working with hyacinths that are kind of a plant that is kind of a greenery that is dotting the water and mm -hmm. floating, but it's also that kind of hyacinth is an invasive species um, from the upper Amazon basin. And it actually has a huge ecological problem for the region in Cambodia. So with this project, the non-for-profit organization, actually Cambodian women are getting involved to um, harvest those hyacinths and then um, actually weaving products that then can be sold um, to for customers that are now experiencing this um, as part of a Cambodia trip. Fantastic. You can read more about that, folks, if you go to intrepidtravel.com. This is the uh, the hyacinth weavers of CM Reap in Cambodia who are changing lives for good, who are not only helping the local ecosystems, but they're using it to basically create their own industry and create their own source yep. of revenue. One final uh, one final question, Suzanne. I think we're kind of wending our way towards <laughs> towards the end now, but there's something that I always like to leave listeners with is, is kind of something actionable, something to think about while they go about their daily lives, let's say. And something that you've, already, you've always been keen on is to inspire the private and public sectors kind of beyond COP, beyond COP, um, not just engaging people at these events, but to urgently drive global action as soon as possible, effectively, to get everybody involved as soon as possible. Perhaps you could kind of leave us with a couple of tips, a couple of pieces mm -hmm. of advice for, for how we can get involved and how we can help out as soon as possible. So maybe it's a good way to think about your next travel um, sure. um, as people planning like summer will be coming around the corner soon again in Europe mm -hmm. is maybe to start off really to vote with your purse to support business that act on climate that are 
B Corps or that have signed up to the Glasgow Declaration. There are wow. over 750 um, business now. But then again, think about can you travel domestically maybe um, once every second time to not take a long haul flight to discover your own back garden. Think about how you get to the start, especially for European, but also if you do travel long haul, can you, the moment you land on the ground, can you actually switch then to local transport? Um, make your long haul flight count when you do travel, like stay longer um, to really spread the emissions of your long haul flight over several days and weeks. I guess on the travel side on flying, really encourage you to stay in economy class um, mm -hmm. because it makes actually a huge impact on your carbon footprint. Interesting. But then also when you pack, um, think about kind of reducing your single-use plastic products, maybe take um, solid um, soap and um, shampoo, et cetera. Take your plastic containers back home because often destinations like in Asia don't have good recycling infrastructure so it's better off to take it back um, with you but also just bring your cloth back bring your reusable cup and water bottle um, maybe with the filter especially in countries where water might not be safe to drink you can buy water bottles with filters so come prepared um, with your own kit and then really when you're on the ground spend your dollar in the local community um, support local business especially like the one i mentioned earlier like where there's women-led businesses look at ways that you can support those to give you a few ideas and tips for your upcoming trip fantastic thank you susanna it all starts at home folks it, even something as simple as a solid bar of soap right that feels like almost on the face of it, it feels like quite an insignificant thing but if we all get involved if we all think about from from the very first day of from packing from before you've even got on the flight if you have to take a flight before you even left think about solid bars of soap think about removing plastics or taking them back with you uh, and hopefully we can all make the world a slightly better place fingers crossed fantastic I think that's just about all we have time for. You've been listening to Dr. Susanna Etty, Intrepid Travel's first ever full-time climate scientist. You can read more about Intrepid at intrepidtravel.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, Susanna. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been my pleasure to, to spend my Friday evening with you. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you very Bye. much. Thank you, Shun. This is the Journey Podcast, which is available at journeymag.com. That's J-R-N-Y-M-A-G.com or wherever you usually access your podcasts. I'm Cy Wilmore and thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.